What is up? What is good? How you living? How you feeling? How are you doing? I know that a few people on this stream right now are a little bit tired because the NFL draft <laughs> is wrapped and you can prepare all you want for it, but it is a whirlwind when you get into it. Connor Rogers joining us to break it down. And I needed Ingbert to stay on because Ingber, the clip master, watching along, watching probably more draft than he ever does. Uh, and I, I want, I wanted some Ingber sage wisdom right off the top. So, with David Ingber, first of all, Friday night was my flu game. Uh, I had just gotten the vaccination, my second shot, the previous night, and it really hits you about twelve hours later, which was you know eight o'clock the next morning. Yeah. And so I was a disaster all day. Uh, the in-laws came; they were watching the daughter, and I was like, I honestly don't know if I'm going to be recovered by seven o'clock to start cutting clips. Uh, wow. and, and so from like seven to nine p.m., I was slowly coming out of it, but I was like groggy. I felt like I was like on on some other planet for those first two hours. So I hope the clips came out okay. I hope they were uh, cut nice and tight. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> overall, I, I will say the best flex of Friday night was when Connor looked at the board and he's like. We're at pick number 12, and my 11 best players are gone. <laughs> I thought yeah, that was yeah, great. Yeah. That was a great draft flex. I really enjoyed that. I believe then Akib looked over and said, it's as if you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know he he did I mean? give me some love, man. Akib showed a lot of love. We had so much fun over these couple it days. Was a good time. So a much plus fun. talent overall, by the way. Akib, fantastic, sort of with, with you guys the whole time. Loved hearing from Cam. Loved hearing from Reggie Wayne. Loved hearing from RG3. Just like interesting nuanced takes throughout the whole night. They clearly knew the guys. Like Reggie had looked at all these guys, had specific things to say about all of them. RG3. I was excited I, about it. I love the way he brought sort of narrative into it of like what, what's the story behind each of these quarterbacks, not just what they do on the field. I thought, I thought it was a really cool. And of course, as we know, Cam is like the goat of trash talk. Fantastic show. Congratulations to all of you. Man. Thanks, Ingber. Um, I'm glad you're feeling better. So much better. It really, for those of you that are about to get your second shot, it was two days really rough. for me. <laughs> Not going to sugarcoat it. It was really rough for me. I know it's different for everybody, but once it's done, it's done. It just, it's out of your mm. system. You know, like it's not like the mm. flu where it tapers off for a few days. The system, the symptoms abate and you're, you're good to go. Okay. That's good to know. I know a lot of people were in the comments section accusing me of having COVID because I was coughing. I uh, just want to say that like, Akeem was coughing too, okay? Like, it wasn't just me. And I know Connor would be on camera. There'd be a cough and people would be like, oh, it's Lefko. No, it wasn't just me. Um, Connor, how I, you did day three as well. Uh, I was in New York uh, for my wedding shower and I was watching it online and all that. Um, so I'm just curious. So now it's, you know, we're recording this the Monday after the draft and we always do like winners and losers every night, right? And it's yeah. it's very guttural, it's very reactionary. Um, but as you kind of look over, how do you then process what are the big storylines, the big takeaways? Because we have two hundred and what is it, fifty six picks, you know? And there's or however many there are, and there's tons of different ways you can go. Where are you sitting now, looking on the Monday morning after? Yeah, right. It, there's so many, so much to unpack. I think there are certain teams that just had incredible picks. There are certain teams that were just rock steady the whole time. I think the Lions kind of fell into that mold where it's mm. like you also got to like put everything into context, right? I know we're all guilty of, you know, falling obsessed with maybe one big selection or they did this or, but like sometimes when you're a team like the Lions, and I remember, I mean, the Jets are like this in the AFC, both rosters have just been, you know, destroyed by terrible terrible eras of coaching that you just need to kind of keep hitting singles and doubles in the draft and, and i felt like with the lions i thought penny Sewell was a grand slam i'll be upfront about that I but pick the, number seven yeah but then after that it's like let's just keep keep going let's keep stacking the deck we'll build this defensive line we're just looking for starters right now we're not looking for mm. superstars and i thought they just had an awesome draft it was exciting because you also got to realize left go like and we hear you're so good at uh, realizing this. Who's responsible? Like, we always wonder who's responsible for what in each draft room. Like, this was a big moment for Brad Holmes coming from the yes, Rams. And, and you talk, you walk away and look at that draft class. And, you know, he was somebody that was a bit of a surprise as a GM hire. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that he's not right. always the one on all these crazy lists each year. And Dan Campbell was a huge surprise as a head coach. And it just feels like they have an identity. And I think that made mm. me feel good about Detroit. 
I thought the Niners did such second a second nice round. Job. Let me let me just give a little bit of yeah, go ahead. Second please, round of lines go Levi Amwazariki, who uh, out of Washington, I know was your number one defensive tackle. So to get yes. your number one offensive tackle, your number one defensive tackle, and then the comeback in the third round, get Ali McNeil defensive tackle, who I know you liked, and then Ifiatu Melifanwu at corner. You just look at four players right there, and you go, all of those could have an instant impact right away. And they attack the trenches, which if you're starting over a new regime, that's the difference between the Bears and the Lions. The Bears are going, we're at the end of our run. And if we don't get a new face of all of this, they're coming for our necks. Where Detroit is going, we are starting from the ground up. Let's give us the best O-line and D-line going forward. And then we can add in those other pieces later. It was a, it was a good foundational draft uh, for Brad Holmes. That's exactly right. And even Derek Barnes and Amon Ross St. Brown in round four. Oh, Amon Ross St. Brown, because think about it. We were thinking maybe the Lions had to go wide receiver at pick seven. Yeah. And Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, he he was somebody that I know that a lot of people thought could be a day two guy, and they got him in day three. I, I think that's where I had him. You know, I'm looking right now, and, you know, I had him, I had him at 87. So wow. it's a good, it's just a good pick. He's a good possession player, helps out his quarterbacks. You know, Goff needs the help. They understand the quarterback they acquired. They need to be really clean and pass pro, yeah. and, and they went out and, and got it. What was the next team you were going to mention? Kansas I think the City? Niners. I think oh, when you Niners. look at it, you know how I felt about the Trey Lance situation since the first time you and I discussed the yeah, trade. Did you feel vindicated? I did, and I didn't want to be a jerk about it, but part oh, of me kind of did. Um, I, I was a little bothered these last this last month, and the Niners fans have been really cool. They've all reached out to me for the most part and are just like, hey, man, like, you said this from day one, like you never bought into the the you know national headlines. I just I'm just a little perplexed by the national headlines that that said it was definitely Mac Jones. When mm. you can get fooled, I've gotten fooled. I totally get it. It's just like how many times we got to learn eventually, right? That yeah. it just this always made sense to me. I heard this very early, and um, and then I heard it was an interesting war room debate, you know, but about who to take at this pick, but Trey Lance, this, this trade, it just makes so much sense with Jimmy there uh, with the possibilities, with what Trey can do, how smart Trey is to work with Kyle. Mm. Kyle's not going to work with guys that just can't keep up with. That's him. been my, hard. my favorite part of this draft season is to watch the depth of who Trey Lance is yes. be explored more. Because I think when you're dealing with a mobile quarterback, we tend to focus on the athleticism, but the fact that they put in a number of plays with the quarterback coach and that they were blown away with his mental capacity, that's where you get excited because uh, I think it's it's dangerous sometimes to call one quarterback the smart quarterback. Yes. And then because when you do that, you're in essence calling the other quarterbacks dumb quarterbacks. And, and I think it's been cool to see Trey Lance kind of get that what that that big brain tag as well. Um, but I, I think that your point from the beginning has been you don't give up multiple firsts and other picks to get a guy that is already close to his ceiling. You get a guy with limitless possibility. And that's what you think they're getting in Trey Lance. I know you love this prospect. I love the player. I love the fit. I thought this was the pick early on. and I, I didn't waver from it. And um and they didn't take left go. They didn't take a player. A pick. There's no pick here that, that didn't make sense to me. I, every single name they took in the draft, and we'll run it quick. Trey Lance at three. Aaron Banks compared him to like Lakin Tomlinson. And, and, you know, that's who they currently have at left guard. Yeah. Trey Sermon reminded me a little bit of Chris Ivory. I think he'll be really mm. fun to watch in that offense. Ambry Thomas, feisty corner. Uh, a little early, not really crazy early. I like that one a lot. Jalen Moore, the Western Michigan offensive tackle. One of my favorite day three offensive linemen. Diamador Lenore from Oregon, another feisty corner. They have a type at corner, clearly, here. Yes. Um, Talanoa Hafanga from USC, box safety, fine in round five. And Elijah Mitchell, I, I said to you on Draft Crash Course, was you know one of my favorite round six, round six running back, uh, round seven running backs. They got him in round six. So mm. they, they just had a, a really nice draft, and also I think they got a superstar quarterback. Mm. It'll be interesting because – with Trey Lance and the fact that I think he's played like one game in 610 days, yeah. it, it is. I, I look at both of the quarterbacks uh, that had a lot of quote unquote question marks about them, Justin Fields and Trey Lance and where they're going. And it was funny because right after Justin Fields went to Chicago, I realized, oh, wait, Matt Nagy watched Patrick Mahomes for a year 
learn from Alex Smith and then, and didn't even get to really watch him play except for one game. And then the bears came out two days later and were like, Oh no, that's our plan is to do the Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith. It's just, What's interesting with Patrick Mahomes, when I think back at that, is there was always this weird Texas tech cloud hanging over Patrick Mahomes where people weren't believing him right away. And Alex Smith had just taken that team to the playoffs and the team loved Alex Smith. There was never a doubt there, but I don't know if Andy Dalton and Jimmy Garoppolo have done enough with their respective teams to get the, we understand why you're doing this. Like they did Alex Smith in Kansas city. Nobody uh, like ever since Andy Dalton has signed with Chicago bears fans have gone. Are you serious? Yeah, really? And then in terms of San Francisco, it's more to me, I get more worried about injuries than anything with Jimmy Garoppolo because he's, He's missed 18 games in the last three years. So I, I, I don't, I, I understand, but like, do you think of those two quarterbacks, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, who do you think sees the field first of those two? Ooh, that's a good one. I, I'm going to say fields because the talent gap is like truly insane. They're going to get into camp week one and every beat writer is going to just be sitting there and, and tweeting like, Justin Fields is on another planet in terms of talent compared to these guys. Accurate, yeah. uh, comfortable. I mean, Lefko, he just played in like significant college football playoff games not that long ago. So it's not like he's going to get very any- curious. It, yeah. You know, it, it, it all depends to on like, you know, the most interesting guy to interview will be Allen Robinson, because if if he comes out and is like, I just got this connection with Fields. Then it's like, whoa, we got to look at this. But it's interesting that there's three quarterbacks where there's huge talent gaps now between the rookie and the current. Well, Trey Lance and and Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is closer, like you were saying, than Fields and Dalton. But also, like, Kellen Mond and Kirk Cousins is just a completely different human. You know what I mean? Like, So I know, and I was reading something this morning, and now I feel bad that I can't find who to credit, but like that. Apparently, Minnesota was kind of crossing their fingers that fields would fall to them fields. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they're thinking of life after Kirk Cousins. Like Kellen Mond wasn't like a he's got a lot of talent and he could be a really fun backup. And maybe he turns into like our Dak or something, you know, a day right. late quarterback that has so much talent, works out, takes over for the guy. But like if you're looking at fields, you're like, nah, we're looking for the dude. We're looking mm. ahead. Mm. And so fields in Chicago, you think from the very beginning, they're going to be like, how do we not get this guy on the field? That, although I think they'll, they'll do more of the runaround where they'll like force Dalton as taking the ones early on. I think now with Lance, he needs reps. I mean, Jimmy could play and when he's healthy, but yeah. Trey, Trey can't not be getting reps. He needs a ton of time in all three preseason games. If you're not starting him week one, even if you are starting him week one, Trey needs to play real game reps. So they'll both be on the field as rookies. It's just a matter of when. Mm. Um, I know that you liked my Eagles draft. I loved it a lot. I'm pulled up right now. And it, it was interesting to watch how we successfully navigate a draft process um, and to go from six, drop back to 12, pick up a first round pick next year. In addition to the first round pick that we're going to get from Carson Wentz having success and then trade up really just like a third round pick. I think to hop over the giants with the Cowboys to take Devonte Smith. And then from there, some, some really good depth picks throughout the draft. I, I understand the Landon Dickerson one a lot, um, but I know you texted me and we're like, some of these guys, they're having a great draft. Such a good draft. I mean, obviously, two home runs off the top. If Dickerson can stay healthy, it's a home run. Devontae, it's going to be a star. Milton Williams was early for me, but I was like the lowest guy in draft media on him. But he's he's all yeah, athlete. They're like comparing this guy to Aaron Donald. I know. Yeah. His athleticism like, is insane. There was, I said, like against Georgia Southern, I'm like, why is this guy getting washed against the run? But when you watch mm. the pass rush reps as a whole, it's like, oh, the athleticism is just nuts. So they'll mm. develop him or try to. And they have a type because his like nice. body type is just like Javon Hargrave. Yes. Like that short, stocky athlete DT. Yes. But what they did on day three, I mean, is jarring. Is jarring. Like Zach McPherson, 
inside, outside, corner with great special teams ability and athleticism. Kenny Gainwell, I think, was my running back. Four. I was so excited when that happened. And I, I compared him to LaShawn McCoy. So I laughed when he went to the Eagles. I'm just like, Ooh. of course, he went to the Eagles. And then um, I want to make sure I say his name right. Marlon Tui Pulotu, just a space-eating defensive lineman, a tough guy, high character. Mm. He'll, he'll get on the field to stop the run. Taron Jackson is fine in round six. Thought he was a round seven player. Once again, don't care. Jacoby Stevens, uh, kind of that box safety hybrid player. But then the I texted you this one. Round yes, seven, pick six, Patrick Johnson from Tulane. I thought he was D Ford in this draft. I'm like third and long. Play him wide nine, play him on the edge, stand up rusher and say, go. I mean, I've seen it all from him. There's one one clip I tweeted out and I'll have to boost it where he he spit. He has a spin move after he's been working the outside rush all game. He's been working the counter inside like swim. Great first step, which is my first thing for an edge rusher. And I was cool to hear Cam Jordan constantly reference that. Like when Cam saw a guy with a good first step, he's like, gets off the ball, gets off the ball. That's Patrick Johnson, but this spin move he pulled, like this dude can get after the quarterback left go. He really can. He had, you know, I'll give you a little story on this. I, so the show ends day three. We only went to the end of round five. I had to fly back to New York that night because I was doing the Jets draft special for SNY. So I get in my car. I had to return the rental car, which in Atlanta is this huge process. Hmm. By the time I get traffic, dump the car, get to the air train, one of my buddies that's a coach texted me. And he's in the sixth or seventh round towards the end of the sixth round. He goes, this draft is insane. I've never seen anything like this because somebody did. Somebody just fell to them. And I know people uh-huh. listening to this will probably think I'm like talking about Hamza Nasruddin that the Jets took in the sixth round. It's not it's not them. Uh, text me. He's like, I've never seen anything like this. He's like, there's players here that we valued like in the third round that are in the sixth or the beginning of the seventh. It's just bizarre year. What, bizarre. what do you think the reason was? Oh, well, medicals was a big one for a lot okay. of teams. Like I noticed that guys that had questionable medicals fell. Yeah. And it's not even like, will they return full to form? It's like, we don't know much like with Nasrul Dean, who I thought was a third round safety. And he went to the jets in the sixth. He tore his ACL to 2019 at the end of 2019. So he only came back for two games this year in the senior bowl. Like it's just insane to me, a player of that caliber, because you're a little worried about what he'll look like when he's full. And he said he's going to be full for camp. There were so many examples of that. But also, oh. like, Patrick Johnson being there in the seventh, just watch the film. I don't know. It's a good question. You know, with Jacoby, LSU's defense had a really down year. If he had declared after the championship year where he was just a mm. tank on the field, he would have went in the fourth round. So it's interesting. Gainwell, the only reason he was there in the fifth was because he opted out. Like, coaches really held that against him. And interesting. Gainwell should have went. Meanwhile, didn't he lose like four family members to COVID? There was so, there was something with him. There was a, I, I don't know if it was Gainwell. Um, I know he lost four family members from COVID-19 related issues. I mean, so like if there's one guy that's going to opt out, it's the dude that just lost four family members. Come on. Yeah, there it is. Kenny Gainwell lost four family members to COVID. I mean, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Like that happened to take like Gowan. But meanwhile, too. like Penny Sewell opted out, and like because he's Penny Sewell. Yeah, yeah, like a lot. There's a lot of top guys. Jamar Chase opted out. You know, it really, I guess, depends on that. But like, yeah, everything that you said about Gainwell just as a pass catcher is unbelievable. I mean, he plays in the slot. He takes direct snaps. He chips in pass protection. Uh, he knocked out Micah Parsons on a rep that's like jaw dropping. Mm jaw-dropping and I know Michael wasn't looking his direction but I I think when I when I think back at the draft I think that there's definitely a few picks that really gives you some insight and I think right around that eight nine is we learned a lot uh with the quarterback position with Carolina and Denver for for those for Carolina to not draft Fields or Jones and then the next day give Sam Darnold his fifth year option and then Denver to be sitting there with both of those quarterbacks available and instead go and select a cornerback, which is already one of their deepest positions. It it was very interesting. Now 
I they didn't really give up too much for Sam Darnold. I think you know just like some later round picks, nothing early, um, and then Denver, you know, trading for Teddy Bridgewater, and that pick with Patrick Sertan amidst all of the Aaron Rodgers rumors, it kind of felt like those two things were connected. But it th- those are the teams that we are going to look back and. It's always interesting with these drafts when, when Chicago took Mitchell Trubisky, they're really the team that we look at with Mahomes and Watson go, wow, they messed up. But it's crazy that we never talk about picks four through nine and talk about how those teams (laughs) passed on Patrick Mahomes and like Solomon Thomas went to the Niners. He's not on the Niners anymore. They could have had Mahomes and Watson, but we don't talk about those teams. But I feel like with with Carolina and Denver going cornerback with J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain, you just kind of sit there and it's like, wow, okay, uh, interesting, you know. And I, I, we don't know if it's the right move yet, but it's definitely a statement from those two franchises. Yeah, I wonder if they were hoping that Trey Lance fell or something along those lines. That's the only thing I could think of. And obviously they did the option thing because they wanted to keep everyone on their toes, think they're taking quarterback. Right. I do wonder if, you know, if if they were hoping Trey Lance fell. Now with the Panthers, it's interesting, right? I thought they had a really nice draft. Uh, they did give the Jets their second and fourth round picks for next year. So if they're bad, those picks will mean something yeah, an early second round pick yeah. they had a great draft though um, i thought so too yeah i mean jc should be a big time player for them they needed corners phil snow needs corners i like terrace marshall at the end of round two no matter what the medical says mm-hmm. tommy tremble they i know they really needed a tight end that could move and block deontay brown in round six starting guard they had a re- i mean the panthers really had a they had a really really good draft i'm a little confused about the direction denver's going because they've built such a good team and it feels like there's no one in the driver's seat for it right now i did not understand like the the patrick sertan pick i do get it when you factor in that like kyle fuller and bryce callahan are both on one-year deals and so you go okay they're playing patrick mahomes twice a year they're playing justin herbert twice a year and you have arguably the number one corner there and you'll be able to have them for five more years i get that but to take a running back javante williams in the second round when like I don't know. Just run Melvin Gordon. I didn't get that. Well, they That's traded I mean. up for like, him too. You have Melvin so. Gordon. Like, I, like, there were so many other positions they needed at that time that it just seemed like a little bit unnecessary unless they really think he's the guy. But this is a franchise that has shown us that they're not too great at evaluating running backs with, with Royce and all that. Like, they haven't panned out with a lot of their picks. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a little early, um, you know, to trade up for him. I, I just don't get it. Like they built a nice football team, but it just doesn't matter if your quarterback can't get you over the hump in that division. Right. And I like Teddy. I'm not a drew lock believer at this point. So have they hit a ceiling, right? Did they make these picks to appease a coach that we don't know his future all the way. And I, the one position yeah. that we really thought they needed was going to be that linebacker position. And there was a lot. And that's the yes. hard thing to remember after the draft is like, at that point, when they traded up in the second round, there was a number of very quality linebacker prospects still. In the they could have had Jeremiah Usu Koromoa, and then they they took I mean, one. I mean, like that's the name. That's the name too, which is a sure. testament to the Browns. But stay on the Broncos. Well, they took Baron Browning at the end of round three, who is an athletic linebacker, but I just saw no instincts with him at all. Like, mm. there's times where he like he needs to see it, and then he he gets there. That's hard in the NFL. So tremendous athlete, but it, it really didn't click for him until the last year. I thought at Ohio State, and it was it was okay. I wasn't like blown away by the tape. So I thought they just I thought they waited too long. I thought they could have had some really special linebackers. I thought Jabril Cox would have fit well in that defense. That was the one for me. Like I liked the Jamar Johnson pick. I liked the Kerry Vincent pick. Jonathan Cooper in round seven. But right. the top of their draft, I, I don't know. It's just. It's just kind of it was like okay, kind of linebacker they were going for. They could have gotten him, but the Chiefs took him a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. It was just the one team that I didn't. It can I tell you also that it's it's like I look sometimes at fits, and I actually get a little bit disappointed just because like I would have loved to seen Javante Williams on a team that was going to make him a featured guy. Miami, and so and and so 
and they traded right in front of Miami yeah, to they take knew. him. And so it's it's one of those things where like it's less about the fit with the Broncos and more like, damn, I wanted to see Javante Williams on a team where he could have been the feature guy. And that's, I think, why it kind of hurts me because uh, I wanted a better fit. But he's going behind a great O-line. It's probably good for his career in the long run that he gets to split carries with Melvin Gordon. That offense with those wide receivers, Noah Fant, like the, the Mike Munchak there, like it's really, it's a good spot. But I just, I look at Miami going 10 and six last year then like lining up to be like, we can slot you in and, and be the guy. And it just, it hurts my heart because I wanted it. Oh, landing spots are everything. Like we had the fantasy footballers on day three of our show. And I asked them like, who, who's the Clyde Edwards, Hilaire guys that like who, where they went. And now it's like, Oh, okay. They matter a lot. And obviously they said Najee, but they all, the other two, they said were Trey Sermon and Michael Carter. Cause it's like mm. the jets don't have a running back. Michael Carter, right. Michael Carter's the guy now. And Trey Sermon's one injury away from being the Niners guy. So it's yes. like you look at those situations like Javante and Etienne love the players, but you're just like, do they matter this year? We'll see. I know. I, I didn't like what Jacksonville said after the ETN pick. I don't like anything like, Urban be Meyer our- says. What else did he say that caught your attention? What I was referring to was like, we got our other, we got Carlos Hyde. We got James Robinson as our first and second down back. And then ETN can be our third down back. And I'm like, can y'all watch the saints and how they used Camara and just copy it and just do exactly that? Because if you're going to draft a running back at the end of the first round, he's not going on the field 33% of the time. No, he's got to be on there fucking 60% of the time. No, I know. And and I know on day three, Taylor had an interview with Tony Khan, who, you know, obviously has a big same personnel over there. Yeah. And and Tony really was like, this is the pass catching machine of the draft. Like, so hopefully it was a little bit of bluffing from Urban and like ETN really is going to be a big time player for them. Not trying to disrespect the vets on the team. Yeah. It is interesting, though. James Robinson was really good last year. So. I don't know. It's they're an interesting team. Like they're they're they have things going in the right direction for them, but like I kind of want to whisper this. I hated their draft. Mm. I like I, it might be there's some picks I there know that you weren't a big fan of Walker Little no. uh, and where they took him in the second round with guys like Stone Forsyth and stuff like that still on the board. He fell. Um, I know you weren't the biggest fan of Tyson Campbell. Not in that spot. Um, no, uh, it, it, it did kind of feel like other than Trevor Lawrence, they took everybody a half a round to a round early when you look at that. Yeah, I think Cisco is, the, you know, I called him the roulette player and I'm OK with that. You know, he can give you some big plays on the back end that you've lacked. I think Trevor Lawrence and ETN will be, be great players, but like Campbell, Walker Little, Tufele can be a gap shooter. Jordan Smith was somebody I, I really liked the film as a developmental guy. And then he tested as like, borderline undraftable and I, I hate to say that after testing but like that's a real thing like if you if you whiff on threat like very basic thresholds so we'll see how he transitions and then you know the rest of it I, I don't know I thought it could have been I just I think I thought it could have been like an all-star draft and I walked away from it like hmm, whatever yeah, when you have four picks in the top 45 this is like the how do we reset our franchise type of stuff. And it seems like they went Trevor Lawrence, Etienne, and then it was like, we're going to take our guys. Yeah, well, Trent Balky is, you know, the GM there. I don't know. I talked to people around the league that like looked at me when that hire came in and they're just like, you serious right now? So, I mean, I'm not going to write them off yet, but there's a track record there of like, you know, an urban obviously has a big say, but the say. It'll be it'll be very interesting to watch Jacksonville because they have they have a, a dude in the driver's seat at quarterback that could be a superstar and uh, you you don't want to be the team that like you know Sam, I, they won't Sam Darnold him nobody will do that but you mm. get the, you get where I'm going. Uh, what do you think got into Gettleman this year? Trading I, down as much as he did and and taking guys that were you know pretty quality players. I don't know what got into Gettleman. Maybe the staff like really you know, really did their evals and like were in his ear more than ever. I, or maybe Davey G just like he woke up, man. He really did. I, and I thought, I wonder if it was know, the Eagles trade ahead of him for Devonte Smith. That kind of woke him up. Probably. It, it also just makes you wonder, like at the same point, like we can credit Dave Gettleman, but like when Ryan Pace calls you up 
and offers you a future first and a fourth to move up nine spots after the player you wanted, that's an easy trade to accept. Now, of course, we don't know how the negotiation went, but like of all the trades on draft night, that was the most unfair one-sided trade. Now, it was for a quarterback, so I get it, but like, I mean, a future first, like that doesn't happen a lot. Well, it's great for the Giants. And, and, you know, we'll see what Tony... I thought Tony was a little bit of weird pick at 20. Like, is Sterling Shepard being phased out and Tony's going to be the slot? Okay, then, you know, I get it. Um, I had a couple of receivers. I had Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore ahead of him. So, you know, and... Did you have Bateman ahead of him too or no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But totally different because those three guys are slots and Bateman's and, you know, gonna he's a big slot, but right. he should play on the outside in Baltimore. Um, but the Giants, what I loved was on day two, uh, they just got two tugs for the defense. Like Ojolari on the edge and Aaron Robinson to be your nickel corner. Uh, those dudes play a brand of football that Giants yeah. fans are just going to gravitate to them so early. I think a lot of people forget how dominant that D-line for the Giants was in the Great middle defense. of the end part of the season. Like the NFC East at the end of the year in my opinion, was more defined by the Giants and Washington's defense dominating that division than anything else. And the Giants D-line, they bring everybody back. I personally didn't understand why everybody was like the Giants need a wide receiver when they just spent all that money on Kenny Galladay. And they have Darius Layton, and they have Sterling Shepard, and they signed John Ross. Like, I... It just... It didn't make as much sense why everybody was like so dead set on them needing a wide receiver. I don't know. So I thought it made sense for Devontae Smith with the Alabama connections and that he's like, he was the blue chip. He's Devontae Smith. He's Devontae Smith. So like he falls to 11 and it's like, well, we got to take him. I, when they moved back to 20, I was like, I, I, they probably would have taken Jalen Phillips, I would think, but Miami took him. Right. When they took Tony, I was like, oh, they really wanted a wide receiver. Um, Which reminds me, we do at some point of the show, we need to, we need to check back at the prop bets. Um, okay. all right, why don't you cue them up now? Well, like Devonte like, Smith is what reminded me because I was sweating that one after the 166 weigh in because that 166 weigh in came in like four days after on the show. I was like, hammer Devonte Smith under 11.5, hammer, hammer, yeah. hammer. And then everyone's like, he's 166, he's gonna fall. And I'm just like, oh boy. Uh, so that was fun one to see come in. Um, can I ask you one thing about Kadarius Tony before we go please, on? Yeah. I, I didn't realize that the analytics community centrally on PFF, that there was a large part of the draft community that really did not like Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I, know. I did not know that of all the wide receiver prospects, he was the one that was most split that it seems like football purists that are like turn on the film, love Kadarius Tony and people that were looking at like some combination of spark scores and like statistic based analytics were like, he's one of the worst prospects that you can take in the first round. I didn't realize it was that split. First round was rich. I'd be lying. If I said otherwise, I had him 44th overall player in a deep receiver Mm. class. So like the first round was rich, but I understand what he is, right? Somebody that creates for Daniel Jones screens, jet sweeps, uh, tough runner, you know, four, four, one speed. The thing that scares me is those are the wide receivers that need to go to innovative offensive coordinators. Bingo. And Jason Garrett is not that. Bingo. Like my fear for Gadarius Tony is like they line him up and say run routes. And what he, what he really needed was like a Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan. Oh, yeah. Sort of let's do some jet sweeps. And maybe, maybe Garrett will. But the way that I have learned about Jason Garrett is he's really innovative like those first two weeks. And then he just like falls back on his laurels for like the next 14 weeks. So that's my concern. Yeah. And let's not forget, like Tony didn't top three, didn't hit 300 receiving yards until this last year. You know, he, mm. he really was a non-factor at Florida um, until 2020. And Dan Mullen had the perfect role for him. So mm. I, I just hope that, yeah, hopefully the staff did their work when they took him, that they have a defined role for him. And if they don't, it'll be a pretty boring rookie season for him because there's a lot of mouths to feed there. So all right, so prop bets. I know I hit one. Uh, my friends, I didn't even realize that I bet some. I hit like Justin Fields after 10. Wow. I was like, yeah, so that one was nice. That's real nice. My big ones, 
you know, none of the fl- the big flyers. Wait, wait. So you had Mac Jones under 15, 17. Right? <laughs> oh, 17. So it still came in. Oh, yeah. I hit on Mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It okay. was it was 17.5 plus 100. This was months ago. I mean, yeah, yeah. so I hit on that. Trey Lance at three was nice. Trey Lance at three was nice. Um, didn't hit on the big flyers. Those two were Rashawn Slater, O-line one, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver one. That's why they're mm. like in the plus 400 to plus yeah, 700 yeah. range. Uh, Najee Harris under 29 and a half and hit landing spot to Pittsburgh. So that was Ooh, fun. Nice. And then, you know, Devonte under 11 and a half. I got some funny ones. I got, and I didn't realize till after the draft, I got jets second pick offensive line. Like nice. that was one that was pretty cool. I'm trying to think what other ones I'm trying to think of the ones we really did on the show. There was a third one that I can't remember right now. Um, and I'd have to look through. So yeah, I mean, the prop bets were, they're always good, right? Like you always are gonna, Oh, I was listening to the establish the run guys on like the Friday and Saturday after the draft. And they were like the, the, they, they were talking about how the top 10 went so perfect for prop bets. Oh yeah. That it, it re you were able to land exact landing spots on so many guys and that because on the draft, I was like, I think Carolina is going to take J.C. Horn here. And part of the reason was earlier that day, I was listening to Silva talking about it. And he's like, there's a lot of smoke right now mm. about J.C. Horn going to Carolina. And that pushed the quarterbacks out. Um, and that really kind of defined the the top 10 by those two going back to back. I still can't believe the certain pick, but yeah, the props were, were, were falling nice with Jamar Chase. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, all those guys. Yeah. And I'll have to look back at our mock draft we did on the show at some point. But it was, um, yeah, it was fun, man. It's always the draft props is like becoming quickly one of my favorite things about our draft coverage in general, because it's just there's so many different waves of rumors and what's going to happen. And, you know, people were like people would text me like the odds just move. Mac Jones isn't the favorite at three anymore. And I'm like, they did this during the election, too. They're just trying to get people to bet on either side of it. Right. So that was truly the suspenseful one. When when you look at, at your team, the Jets, and you see that last year they drilled Mekhi Becton. We watched Denzel Mims after the beginning of the season when he's not really playing come in and show a lot of potential. And you're like, hey, you know what? This is kind of what you're hoping with a second-round pick, that you you – you're kind of looking at Ashton Javis, but like, even if they haven't started performing yet, you love the picks when they made them. And then you look at this year and they go up and they get Elijah Vera Tucker, who I always felt throughout this process was going to go to Minnesota at 14 and like end up being like a 10 year starter in the NFL. And they go up and they steal him. And then they get Elijah Moore, who, I mean, you have AJ Brown crying at yeah, the fact crazy. that he's drafted and you're like, what a perfect slot wide receiver to compliment Corey Davis, who you sign in the off season. Like it has been a very tough decade to be a Jets fan. Yeah. And as an Eagles fan, I know what Joe Douglas is capable of when he's clicking. What is it? What, what, what is it like now to look at these last two drafts and to go, I think my jets are on to something right now. It, it really is exciting. It's like real. It's actually real. It's not like, Hey, I could sell myself on this pick. Like all that stuff's out the window. Right? So I think when you look at it, you traded Jamal Adams and you got all of these picks and like, picks. it looks like such a good trade right now. It does. And even the Sam trade will pay dividends next year when you have an extra two, that extra four. So it's re- it really is exciting when you see a plan for a young quarterback. That was what, um, mm. jumped out to me is like you have this monster left side of the line with Becton and Vera Tucker that are huge and athletic and you can run behind them and you can you can roll away from the right side although I think Fant was fine last year they have a hole at right guard we'll see how that plays out yeah you know Corey Davis and Mims jump ball players Elijah Moore you know he really is so much like Brandon Cooks to me so I'm like oh they have this ver- they had no juice in the receiver corpse of like who can win over the top then they yeah. go get, you know, Elijah Moore. It's like we don't talk about it enough. And when Reggie Wayne called him Santana Moss on the show, that internally, that was like one of my favorite moments because I was like, man, like m- maybe my favorite player growing up. And now it's like time comes full circle where it's like, wow, like maybe they got the next version of that. That'd be really cool. Yeah. 
So, you know, four, three, six speed, crazy athlete, some of the best hands in the draft. That was exciting. Michael Carter, I thought he was Devontae Freeman. So if really good, you know, Mike LaFleur saw probably the same thing and said, okay, cool, yeah. let's, let's get him. I'm just excited because everybody's like, well, none of it matters if the quarterback sucks. And like, there's a big group in, I don't know, media, Twitter fans that like hate Zach Wilson. I guess that's like the cool thing to do. I think it's his face. That probably is. And, uh, you know, whatever. It happens. Uh, yeah, he's like up there in the like punchable face rankings that people make all the time. But like, he really does look like, you know, the the asshole on a high school movie. Like a, bu- a bully in high school. Absolutely. He does. Absolutely. He's a sweep the leg kind of kid. Absolutely. But hearing him, um, and I know media is whatever, but he is so polished. It, like, Lefko, Craig Carton asked him about like having a hot mom as like one of his first Welcome radio. Welcome to New York. And it's yeah. like, dude, I, I won't even touch that because he he doesn't deserve any airtime ever from anything. But like Zach was like such a pro throughout all of this. And I love the film. But most importantly, Robert Sala calls him and is like, we're going to lift you. It doesn't have to be the other way around. Like with Sam, it was like Ooh. Sam, the savior, like. Sam better be Mahomes or Russ or Rogers. And if he's Seriously, not they drafted Sam and then like drafted defensive lineman for like three years in a row. Yeah. Sam was playing with like, what was the league? Not the XFL, the other one, the AFF or a, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, Robbie Anderson came out of nowhere. That was like lucky. Yeah. That he's undrafted. It. So it's, it's going to be cool to see Zach grow with like, Oh, Corey Davis is there. Elijah Moore is there. The left side of the line could legitimately be, eight-year pro all pro yeah yeah no doubt a young play caller that we think has a lot of good energy and the right scheme and the right ideas and a head coach that everybody just loves him loves him and that the jets needed that they've been so bad for 10 years and bad in a sense that it's like it's pitiful i'll tell you this is a good example it got to the point last year where I think it was like the Arizona game. I forget what week it was. The Jets were playing. And I woke up and literally just had a huge sigh. I was like, I hate that I have to watch this team today. Mm. Because like I do Badlands and I love the Jets fans. And I love, I mean, I grew up a Jets fan. Like, yeah, it's the reason I got into draft media is because my coverage of the Jets. But the Gase era by the set, like the second half of it was literally like, man, I have to watch this today. And now it feels it's hope. That's all it is right now, but it just feels like the exact opposite. Yeah. Like we don't, I have a lot of questions about Sala because Absolutely. I think that as a DC, he had four first round picks on the D line and they were very, very special. And I think it's kind of easy to, to do that at the same point. What I do not have a doubt about him was my biggest concern and my biggest issue with Adam Gase. I do not like coaches that talk one way and act another. And Robert Sala is a true leader of men. He's he he gives me Tomlin vibes. Yep. Where you're like, he's gonna fight for his guys. He's gonna be there early. He's gonna leave late. There's never gonna be a lack of effort. My issue with somebody like Gase is you're just kind of looking at him. And you're like, I don't believe anything that you're saying right now. And if I don't believe it, the team definitely doesn't believe it. And so it's just nice to have adults in the room, you know. That's and huge. the fact that. The fact that he left San Francisco and Mike LaFleur came with him. Whenever a coach brings old coaches with him, it's a testament to them. It's why, even though he's biting kneecaps, I believe in Dan Campbell because Aaron Glenn came over from New Orleans because those guys have an opportunity to rise up or get their own head spot. But when they're willing to follow somebody, they know that their work ethic is real. It's kind of why I get a little excited about Sirianni because like he worked with all of these guys and was like, no, come with me. And they were like, a hundred percent. I'm coming. You, you need that. Cause I, nobody came with Gase. No, nobody followed Gase. No, he knew. no, nobody followed him. Nobody followed him. They had to hire his defensive coordinator for him. That's how bad it was. Left go. Like literally they're yeah. like, uh, like Gase doesn't know Greg before that. No, he had, they had to hire him for him. So, yeah, it's a big difference. You know, the Jets brought over John Benton, the 49ers offensive line coach, used to be Kubiak's O-line coach in all the big Arian Foster years. It, it does. You're right. It speaks a lot. You know, the Lions got Anthony Lynn to come there. Yeah. Like, they, 
those the lines and the Jets have been very similar in a sense in what their awful head coaches did to those rosters and the culture mm. and the organization from top to bottom. Like I know people that uh, worked in both like the Gase, the all the Gase era and now the Sala era, and they're like, "Man, I like going to work again." Like I I haven't felt this way about football in a couple mm. of years, and it's like you know what, good for you, honestly. We got like four minutes left. Um, the fact that we talked about Mac Jones going to the Patriots and how he's bizarro cam, even to the point where the name is forwards and backwards. Um, <laughs> that, that is going to be just fascinating to watch. Extremely, extremely. Um, he's in a tough spot, Mac, going into a locker room where cam is like the bona fide leader and now has more fuel of like, oh, you're doubting me yet again, you know? Like, and that's Cam tough. has a really good offense to play in this year. He did not have one yeah. last year. So I'm root- I'm not trying to be anti-Mac, but I'm really rooting. And, you know, people think this is crazy because on the Patriots, but I'm just calling it like I see it. Like, I, part of me roots for Cam Newton always, no matter where he yeah. is, because it's like I would like to see Cam really establish himself again as an NFL starter. And like you said, Lefko, he's always doubted. And uh, they have a lot of offensive pieces up there. We're going to see how it plays out. That'll be it because I I was talking to Candace about this recently and I said how in the NFL in training camp, if they are not writing articles about how amazing your rookie looks early on, you're in trouble. You're in trouble because they need to pop off the field. Like when when I think back about Lamar early on, when I think about um like uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk, like you read these articles where they're like the defense was yelling from the sidelines. Like if they're not doing that, you didn't get the guy. Yeah. And so the, the, the articles and like, what's going to come out with like some of these quarterback battles. And I don't know, man, like you could tell right away with these guys, it'll be interesting, you know, real quick. And it was kind of cool. Like the, I mean, one of my favorite parts of one of many favorite parts, but of spending a lot of time with Akib was like you. Rem- he made us remember how important it is for guys to like follow guys. He's like, you know, you, he said it was the first thing he said about Zach Wilson. He's like, if that guy was in the room, he's somebody you would want to go talk to because he has the it mm-hmm. factor in the room. He goes, people realize that's that's the first thing about a quarterback. Like, do I want to follow this guy? So and he's played to pl- plenty of places where he's seen a lot of Don't different you quarterbacks get the vibe that all five of these quarterbacks have that energy. Yes, absolutely. You absolutely. know, it's like Daniel Jones never had that energy for me. No, but like, but like Trevor Lawrence is an it guy. Zach Wilson's an it guy. Trey Lance, like the stories everyone talks about. Oh yeah. Justin Fields. Like if he didn't have it before, he's definitely got it now. And even Mac, like Look at the Waddle fact that you have and Waddle and these guys coming out and saying, I'd rather be with him than Tua. That's my guy. Mac to me has that like, uh, I, I don't know. It's like, just like watching him when he was like talking to Saban and Kyle Shanahan that one time, he's just got that grown energy to him where he's not worried about himself. And I, I'm friends with Sam Darnold, but Sam sometimes didn't have that energy. Sam was sometimes looking and listening to other people. And it's like, no, man, you need to be so sure of yourself. Josh Allen has that. He does. Where it's like, I'm the guy. And some guys have it and some don't. Rosen didn't have it. Rosen definitely didn't. Did not have it at all. He didn't have it at all. And, you know, with. But you're right with about Sam. One jacuzzi photo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got played, you know, so it matters. It matters so much. You're right. All five of these guys really do have it. Um, they, they, I've always said this, none of them will fail because of talent or work ethic or like, it'll just dictate on what's around them and how well they're coached. I really, Uh, it's a cop out, but I really mean it right before we go. Who is the tank for Tua? Who's, who is going to be like the number one prospect next year? (sighs) Wow. Um, not a quarterback already. No, no, no. I think when you look at like Sam Howell getting some love, that's an interesting one from I UNC. Mean, who is that? Where, UNC, UNC. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the sleeper is Malik Willis at Liberty. Uh, just wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Malik Willis at Liberty. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau is just this. It could be our Chase Young. That's kind of where I'm looking. Where does he go right now? So he's at Oregon. Um, Oregon defensive lineman defensive lineman I mean came in as a freshman he's the only person 
person, only person in two years that I saw even give Elijah Vera Tucker like a wake up, like, a, oh, mm. it's going to be a little different today. The only one. So Thibodeau is uh, Thibodeau is. Yeah, he's he's exciting. Good running backs. You know, we'll dive in a little more, but I'm, I'm not jacked up about the quarterback class yet. I'll say that. OK, it doesn't right, get so me that going. If you didn't get one this year, then you were you're not looking too pretty for next year. Yeah. And, you know, we have risers. Look at Zach Wilson and Joe Burrow. But my thing was like we knew this year last summer, we knew about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields and Trey Lance like significantly. Those three were all on everybody's yeah. top top 15s. So and then you get two risers, right? And Mac and Zach um, next year. It's like, hey, are we going to get two risers? <laughs> like that's kind of what I'm looking at. And maybe we will. OK, but it'll be interesting, man. All right. So what are you going to do now? Now that this <laughs> great is great question. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm going to continue to do. Uh, all my work with Badlands for for the Jets coverage, you know, SMY TV. And uh, I'm going to do a docu series on the Jets draft class, which will be cool. Try to talk to like all these guys, coaches and nice. and, and some of the Jets people. And and then I'm going to see where it goes, man. I'm going to this summer is going to be I'm not 100 percent positive what's next besides getting ready and going through maybe 100 college players or more. But it'll be fun. I, I don't really I don't really get as excited about time off like after the draft, you know, maybe a week here or there, but yeah, because you're operating at like full speed. Yeah. And all of a sudden you got to shut And then it it's down. a crash. It's sickening. I'm excited for preseason because you get to watch these like day three players play. I'm excited for some normalcy coming back to the NFL that too. from training camps and preseason. We really didn't get it last year. And now we're getting a 17 game season with less preseason. So it should be interesting for sure. I know, man. I know. Well, Lefko, thank you so much, man. This week was uh, not this week. This last three, two months between Crash Course, the draft show. You are awesome as always. I, I know I say this every year, but I really mean it. Like I felt like this was our best year. Just those first two days of grading every pick was the guys were amazing. The crew is amazing. Uh, yeah. It just gets better every year, honestly. <laughs> just a little insight. It was really our first year where like Turner was involved. And it was cool. It felt a little bit more like TV-ish. Yeah. Uh, but like everyone in the back, you know, from from Ingber doing the clips oh, yeah. to, you know, like Gabe and, and Nick setting up everybody to Sean McManus, who fucking holds it down every year. Every year. So much work. Uh, it's like it's people like Karen holding it down from like 30,000 feet and like everybody else uh, kind of helping out. It's been great. I always remember how much of a draft nerd i am at heart once it gets going and it's like i love this shit it's one of my favorite events uh but connor to be honest man to see you kind of grow into it and to not even have any doubts when you were up there man like it was cool to watch you take another step up so like it's been fun to watch your rise from when you were working with sims and giving them information and now you're the fucking guy uh thank you for the info bro because like it's we're not able to do that without you man so thanks man working with you dude. thanks man i was glad uh i only had one debacle spelling brandon steven's name wrong when he got picked and looking for my draft notes and you you bought me enough time you bought me like 10 extra seconds and then i realized it was yes. a ph instead of a v and yeah. every other pick i never had a problem with so i was like i'll take that in <laughs> this year so much fun man so much fun and we'll definitely talk soon for Connor Rogers, I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man. We will holla, holla, holla at you later. Peace.